Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. Uh, I want to share tonight, I just want to get straight into it. Uh, kind of when I was thinking about uh, what to share tonight, um, just that I had on my heart to really speak into what I feel is the current season where we're heading as a church, um, and I guess our response as a congregation in what we need to be doing with that. And uh, I want to, I guess, look at the whole uh, thought of doors and what we see in the Bible. You know, uh, doors represent a number of different things in the Word of God, but uh, I think even in our own lives, uh, a knock on the door can mean one of many things. Isn't that right? When someone knocks on your door and you're at home, maybe you're in the kitchen cooking or you're watching TV, uh, all of a sudden you begin to try to quantify what could be on the other side of that knock. You know, is it like your neighbor uh, telling you to uh, bring your bins in because you left them out that extra night? Anyone been there? Maybe it's a post person ready to drop something off from eBay or Amazon. Uh, maybe uh, it's a young person here and uh, you were at home and your parents went out and they gave you a number of jobs to do. And the moment you hear that knock, you remember all the jobs that you didn't do and you do the quick dash for cash. Uh, maybe uh, for some people here, um, it could be a preacher knocking on the door uh, trying to convert you. And then you begin to enter into the conversation. You see how good they are. And uh, after a few minutes, you tell them that you already believe in Jesus. And, uh, and they go, but do you believe in the Jesus that I believe in? And uh, you see the jeans and the white top and the, the black shoes and you're like, probably a different Jesus. Um, but that's all right. I know where I'm going. Um, maybe you had a wild night and uh, you're new to church and uh, the police are knocking on your door. Um, but there is grace, isn't there, right? Um, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Lift up your hand right now while no one's looking around. That's a great response. Did you just lift up your hand? I saw that. Um, you know, I think uh, for myself, there's been a couple of times where uh, the knock on the door has been an awkward moment for me or uh, an unfamiliar moment. Uh, I remember one of the first jobs I had uh, was delivering medicine for a pharmacy. And I was about 12 or 13 at the time, and I was excited to enter the working class, you know. I was a, I was a boy in a man's world, and I was ready to serve uh, the community with my delivery of much-needed medicines. And, uh, and really, kind of when I got into it, what I realized uh, was I was actually uh, serving um, society's senior silver, uh, silver citizens, and uh, I was delivering not really much-needed medicines, but more like uh, fiber and, and adult nappies and things like that. And it was quite an awkward moment for me because what do you say when they know what they're receiving and you know what you're giving uh, in that moment? Like, knock, 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 here you go, I hope you like them, or um, I, hope, I hope they fit. Like, I, I, I don't know, I didn't know what to say, so I just, like, as this awkward 12-year-old, just, and then run. Um, but that wasn't the most awkward time that I knocked on a door. It's, see, the, the, the scariest, most heart-beating time that I uh, ever knocked on a door was the day when I asked for permission uh, from my in-laws to propose to my now beautiful bride, Aileen Andrea Palmieri. And, uh, and I dropped her off at church on a Sunday night, and uh, probably about 4.30, I'm like, hey, you're probably on camera or something. Why don't you get there early? Dropped her off. I'm like, I'm going to go get fuel. And, uh, and then I went back to their house, and uh, knowing that she was at church and wasn't going to be there, I knocked on the door, and uh, my mother-in-law answered the door. And, uh, and immediately, I'm, I'm like, hey, uh, look, is your husband home? I'd love to speak to your husband. Now, all the, the married men in this place know that conversation, and, uh, and it's, it's, a, it's one of those ones as a single guy where you just kind of don't know what's going to happen. They're going to come out with a shotgun. Um, 
Are they going to just say no? What are they going to do? And I was nervous. And she said, where's Aylin? And I'm like, that doesn't matter. I just need to speak to your husband. She's like, he's asleep. Where's Aylin? I'm like, it's all good. I just, can you get your husband? She's like, did you guys get in a fight? I'm like, no, we didn't get in a fight. I just want to speak to your husband. <gasps> Is everything okay? Were you in a car accident? I'm like, we weren't in a car accident. She goes, do you need money? I'm like, well, if you're offering. <laughs> I'm like, no, just get your husband. He comes out. I begin to tell her. I profess my love uh, for his daughter. I promise to look after her, care for her. She's the love of my life and all the mushy stuff. And, and I'm like, would you give me permission to propose to her? He looks at me. He goes, okay. <laughs> goes back to sleep. I'm like, that was easy. <laughs> Should have done that way earlier. And, you know, I think that doors, when you, when you break it down, they do uh, symbolize a number of different things in the Bible. And I want to, I guess, unpack tonight uh, some different things that we can pull apart uh, and, and pull out of the Scripture in the area of doors and how it applies to our life. You know, there's a number of different spots. Revelation 3.8 says, I know your deeds. I've put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. You know, this speaks to the opportunity that comes to to us when we follow the Word of God, when we subscribe to what is in this amazing book. Isaiah 22, 22 says, Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulders. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. I love this. The key to the house of David. It speaks to the unlimited authority that we have through Christ. It's like he's given us a signet ring and we know that we're his and we have authority through him. It speaks to his ability to open and close doors in our life. Doors that no one can open, he can open in just an instant. Doors that no one can close, he can close. There's amazing power in that scripture. Matthew 6, 6, I love this one. But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Aren't they three great pieces of text just there? If you're taking notes tonight, the title of my message is simply Doors. It's profound. Took a lot of time to think of that. Doors, write that down. And I want to give you three points around this tonight. First point, if you're taking notes, write this down, is that some doors need to be shut. Some doors need to be shut. You know, in a world where our, our current social climate says that, that truth or morality is relative, as Bible-believing Christians, we need to know that there's some areas in our life that we actually need to shut the door to. It's not just going, hey, you do you and, and you do me. No, no, no. We're going to do what the Bible says for us to do. And I, I, I hate when we, we proof text this thing and we look for a justification for us to engage in a low level of morality, but we actually need to go, no, we're going to say, God, we want to honor you in every area of our life. And there's going to be some things that even though the world say it's okay, we're not going to try and find a reason why it's okay in here, but we're going to say, God, we want to honor you. And so we're going to close doors to things that we know aren't going to pull us closer to you. We've got to ask it. This isn't preached enough. We've got to ask ourselves the question, will Will this bring me closer to God or will this pull me further away? Some doors we need to close. Matthew 7, 13 says, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. You know, the, the definition of a door is a hinge, sliding, or revolving barrier at the entrance to a building or room or vehicle or the framework. You know, by very definition, a gate is just a door on the outside, right? And I think that there's some doors, you know, the, the door that leads to the wide road, the, the gate that leads to the wide road, the, 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 the gate that leads to the narrow road. We've got to say, you know what? I'm going to close the, the, the gate that goes to the wide road, and I'm going to pick the narrow road. There's some doors that we need to close. 
the doors of temptation, the doors of second best, the doors of compromise. Is it going to pull me closer to him or further away? I remember a couple of years ago, um, actually probably about 10 years ago now, <laughs> um, we were doing a fundraiser for the youth ministry. We were selling Krispy Kremes donuts. And I was up in country Victoria. And uh, up there, there was no Krispy Kreme. And if you live in the Warren area, you would know the beautiful thing of the red neon light at Krispy Kremes. And when it is on, there is free samples, right? Um, but they weren't afforded that blessing up in the country. And so it made a great fundraiser where you'd come down and you'd buy boxes and boxes and boxes of these donuts. You'd come up and you'd sell them at highly inflated rates to make money for the youth ministry. It's like the best hustle ever, right? And uh, we're helping out the young people in Countercott. And I thought as a youth leader, I'm like, I want to support the youth ministry. I believe in this thing. Um, it's doing great, amazing things. I want to invest into this. And the only problem was, is that I was on a 21-day fast at the time. And I thought, I'll just buy a couple of boxes of these uh, 12 original glazed donuts. I'll sit them in my room. And when I finish the fast, then I'll eat them. But the problem was, every night as I'm on this fast, I'm looking at these boxes of donuts, and it's like they're speaking to me. You know, like the, the, the angel on one shoulder and the donut on the other? And it, <laughs> eat me, <laughs> eat me. And there was temptation. There was, and I, here's the thing. I could have very easily closed the door in that moment, put them in another room. But just by way of having it there, it, it represented a temptation to me that I struggled with. You know, sometimes it's easier to just remove the temptation than to struggle with it. Get rid of it. Put it somewhere else. Close the door to it. And I got to the end of that fast, and I thought, I'm going to eat every one of these donuts. And after 21 days, I got through a donut and a half, and I felt like death. <laughs> but I made it. But it would have been so much easier if I had to close the door to temptation. We've got to close some doors in our life, doors of certain conversations or of certain places that we go, certain things that we watch. We've got to make a conscious decision to live with integrity. Someone say amen in this place. Amen. Point number two is that some doors you need to get behind. Some doors you need to get behind. You know, we've got to let God do something in our private world before we see him do it in our public world. Someone say amen to that. That, God, you do something in our inner man before you do something out here in the world. Uh, uh, 2 Kings 4.4 4 says, Then go in and shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. It's speaking to, to the, the prophet who goes and speaks to the, the widow. And, and she's got this one jar of oil and, and she's desperate. She needs God to do something. And he says, go in shut the door. The miracle's going to happen in here. And you know what? It happened inside. It happened in private before actually people saw it take place in public some of us have got to start saying God would you do it in my life now here in the private place so that then I can bring it into public God I don't want just that public breakthrough God I want the private breakthrough the private breakthrough comes before the public breakthrough Matthew 6 6 says but when you pray go into your inner room close your door pray to your father who's in secret and your father who sees what in secret what is done in secret will reward you do you want to know how to grow in your authority Go for breakthrough in your private world. Lay a foundation in that secret place. Just start to, to get hungry for the presence of God. Put on some worship music. Begin to mind scripture. Begin to go after those things because what's done in secret, God will reward you. We've got to get desperate for the presence of God, not just on a Sunday, but in every day of our life. Why is it so important to get behind the door? 
Why do, why do we need to go after these things? What's so important about it? It's what if I don't want to grow in my authority? What if I don't want breakthrough? What if I'm happy with where life is at the moment? What's so important about getting behind the door? Why do I need to do that? Look at this. John 10, 7 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Isn't this interesting? Jesus refers to himself as the door of the sheep. He's actually speaking into something in that moment where he says that um, that's actually quite... Um, uh, I guess culturally they would have understood it better than us. You see, um, shepherds at the time, what they would do is when they were out looking after their flocks um, and the sheep or the goats or whatever it was that they were looking after, um, they realized at night time was when uh, this, this livestock was probably at most risk because you got the foxes, you got uh, the bears or whatever it would, uh, would be that would come to get them. And so they needed a way to protect their livestock. And so they would uh, put up a frame of broken uh, trees and sticks and twigs and they'd build this dome kind of thing and they'd actually put the livestock in there and they'd have a door at the front of it and the shepherd would sleep at the door. It was the only way in, and they would sleep at the door. And so at night, if any predator wanted to come, the only way they could get to the livestock was to go through the shepherd. And so there was a protection because the shepherd was the door to the sheep. And so when Jesus says, I am the door to the sheep, what he's actually saying is that there is protection when you're under my covering, when you're behind me. When we get behind the door of Jesus Christ, when we're under his covering, when our household serves God, there is protection behind the door. It's like he's saying, hey, devil, you want to get to them, you've got to go through me. And I know you can't get past me, so they're protected because there is safety when we are behind the door. Isn't that an encouraging thing? Oh, look at it. There's another way we could look at it. Um, well, we, we see Moses and the Israelites. God speaks to Moses and he says, I see how the Israelites are being oppressed by Egypt. I want to use you to, to lead them out of slavery and into the promised land. And, and Moses goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh says no. And then the plagues come in, the, the frogs and the locusts. And one of them was that the firstborn of every family would die. But God says to Moses, instruct the Israelites to put uh, uh, lamb's blood above their doorposts. And anyone who's in that that house would be protected from what's about to happen. And then the Bible refers to Jesus as the land that was slain. Think about this for a moment. When we're covered by the blood of Jesus, there's protection for us. There's a, there's a safety when we are behind the door, when we know that Jesus is on our side. I get excited about that because I know that as long as I'm serving him, as long as I'm following him, I know that I'm in the safest place I could ever be in. We've got to get behind the door in our private world. Point number three is that some doors you need to knock on. Some doors you need to knock on. There's, there's some doors that you need to close. I don't want to engage in that thing. I don't want that thing part of my life. There's some doors that we've got to get behind, the safety of the covering of Jesus Christ. But there's some doors in life that we need to knock on as faith-filled, Bible-believing Christians. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. You know, I've preached really short tonight because I want to share a story with you that stirs my faith every time I think about it. I want to invite the band up now. And as they're coming up, I just want to tell you about this story. I've got a friend of mine um, who recently uh, I was having a late night conversation with, and uh, he's a youth pastor, and his dad's a, a pastor in his church as well, a senior pastor. And he was telling me about this miracle that their church um, had seen happen uh, in the recent months. And uh, basically... Um, the senior pastor had been running this church for 
probably like 20, 30 years at this time, and it's just been in one location, never had a, a dream to change the world. He's just so passionate about changing his community. And he was like, God, if I could just leave a legacy of seeing my community reached, and God, oh, I just want to be used. And he got into this point where he'd done all these years of ministry and was feeling a bit discouraged because he hadn't quite seen the things that God had put in his heart, and, and he was just a bit tired and burnt out, and, and was believing for God to do more. And uh, they had this building, and they built this building a number of years ago, and it was kind of at that point where the roof leaked and it was rickety and just a bit decapitated. It, was, it wasn't nice, and and he he was believing to build a new building, but every time he got quotes for this building, they were coming in at like six million dollars, eight million dollars, and even Christians were loading up on these quotes, and he was just feeling a bit discouraged about it. And he was kind of going, you know what? If I could really like screw this thing down, maybe I could get it down to about four and a half million dollars to build a new building, and that would be great. It'd be awesome, big move of God. But God, we don't even have the money for the deposit for that so I don't know how we're going to do it and he goes well maybe we just do a renovation in our current building that's going to cost about two three hundred thousand dollars that's a bit more a bit more doable and it was kind of like he'd taken his God dream and then he put the lens of of the natural on it and, and made a man dream and he's like yeah let's just go for that renovation instead of this building he's kind of like oh, we're just gonna have to save for the next four or five years and just keep chipping away and then we'll do that reno and it'll be all good. And yeah, fast forward a little bit and one night there was a man, um, a Lutheran man actually, and uh, he got woken up in the middle of the night. He hadn't really been practicing in his faith or going to church and gets woken up because he had this dream. And in this dream, God begins to speak to him that if you don't go to church in the morning, you, your children aren't going to remain in their faith. Kind of gets up in the morning and says to these kids, kids, we're going to church today. And they're like, why do we need to go to church? That's boring. I don't even know what all that God stuff's about. He's like, oh, wow, maybe that dream was right. We really got to go there. So he jumps on Google. He's like, church. <laughs> and uh, and uh, nah, that one, oh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that looks like a good one. I'll go to that one. And he, he rocks up to my friend's church. And uh, his dad is there preaching. And his dad's preaching about... Um, not just having a religion, but a relationship and, and how Jesus wants to walk with us. And he's talking about uh, forgiveness and the grace of God and how he, he's our friend, he's our healer. And, and this guy just begins to have his heart ministered to as there's a shift from it being uh, religion to relationship. And he, he comes up after the service and says to the pastor, man, I've been doing this all wrong. It's all been about the rules. It's been about the tradition. I realize I haven't had a relationship with Jesus and, and I want to have a rela relationship with Jesus and he repents for the way he's been living. He invites God into his heart and he gets saved and they lock in with, with this church and God is doing great things in their life. And he comes up to the pastor and he says, hey, you know, um, these last few weeks, I've just really been, feel God, uh, been feeling God do something in my life. And uh, I just feel that I'm here to actually uh, meet a need in the church. And, uh, and you know, I really want to invest into this thing. And, and the pastor's like, oh, awesome, you know, uh, why don't you join the cafe? Um, if anyone needs to join cafe, 8.30 a.m. service, great service to join. I run that one. Um, and the guy's like, no, 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 not that coffee stuff. And he goes, oh, I've been given a special skill set and God wants to actually use my gifting to help build the kingdom. And the guy's like, well, what do you mean? Like, we're here to serve you, not the other way around. He's like, no, God's got me here for a reason. You've got to understand. You see, I work for, um, just for privacy protection, we'll just make the name up, but I work for John Smith Building 
and construction. Uh, it's a multi-million dollar company. Um, and my name is John Smith. I'm the owner. Um, what's, what's your need? Like, oh, I want to serve. And the pastor begins to tell him, oh, look, we're really believing to do this renovation. And look, we just like, I don't know if you know anyone that could help out with it or anything. And But it's going to cost about two, $300,000 to do this project. Like, we, you know, we're, we're still a long way off, but just putting it on your radar. And the guy begins to laugh and he's like, 300000 Man, I wouldn't even notice that. Leave my bank account. And that'd be a good situation, eh? <laughs> He goes, I'll tell you what, I want to give the, the money to this project in its entirety to make it happen. And I'm going to give you a gang of builders for two months to do the work for free. And uh, the pastor completely blown away. I asked my friend, I'm like, well, did it happen? Like, is it just a good story? Did it happen? He goes, it happened. They did the, they did the renovation. This thing happened. And he gave the money. And, and the dad was so overwhelmed. He was almost in tears as he was telling his family. And, and, and this thing was going great. And then a couple of months later, the, the guy comes up to the pastor. Pastor, I've been hearing about the Holy Spirit. I've been studying about how, how He guides us, how He speaks to us, how He empowers us. And I'm hearing His voice. He's speaking to me. And I really feel that I need to be obedient. And the pastor's like, stop, stop. No, we're here to serve you. He goes, no, no. God's put this in my heart. I need to be obedient to it. You see, we did this renovation, but I just felt God speaking to me that, that there's a God dream, not just a man dream. What's your God dream? pastor's like, nah, it's just, this is, he's like, tell me what the God dream is. And so the pastor begins to tell him, look, you know, we wanted to do this. We wanted to build this building and we, ne- we don't even know how we're going to be able to afford the deposit for it. And, but that's just what's in my heart. Community center, big youth facility, big auditorium for the church, lots of great kids facilities and begins to speak the vision of what God had put in his heart. And the guy stops him and he says, look, this is what the Holy Spirit spoken to me. I want to give a million dollars towards this project to make it happen. And again, I asked my friend, I'm like, well, did the, did the money come into the account? He said, yeah, it came in. I was like, wow. And so they had the money there to be able to put the deposit down for that, that project. And a little while later, pastor gets a call from this guy. Hey, you're not going to believe this. I just wanted to share this testimony, but... Um, you know how I gave a million dollars recently to the church? Um, I just got a $56 million contract to rebuild an entire community that's been affected by floodwaters. And uh, I just want to let you know, I believe it's because I was obedient to the voice of God. And this guy's business completely explodes. And I was actually talking to this uh, youth pastor the other week and he was telling me um, in an update that he's actually been offered a quarter of a billion dollars to sell his company now. Um, because of the expansion that they've just had in their business. And, uh, you know, when I heard that story, it stirred my faith. Now, I don't have a million dollars to give. I'd love to, right? 10% of, uh, of that, like, awesome, right? But um, I don't have a million dollars to give. But what I do have is faith to believe as a church that God will bring in people that are in that position. It's not about the finance, I'm not saying give a million dollars and you'll get $56 million back. That's that's semantics. But what I am saying is that God is the God who meets needs. And when we knock on doors, He responds to that knock. And as a church, we've got to start believing for stuff. You know, we're believing for a building for our Casey campus. Let's start knocking on the door and believing that God would do something. 
that we're going, God, would you bring supernatural provision in? That it's not just a building that 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 we we we, we pull a few strings, we make this work, and then you do it. But but God, it's actually a testimony that we can point to and say, God did a miracle. God did a miracle. That wasn't our doing. That was God's doing. He did a miracle. We could have done this in our strength, but God, in your strength, this isn't a man dream. This is a God dream. God did a miracle. God did a miracle. We got to start believing that if we can ask for it, God can do it. Matthew 7, 7 says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. We got to start knocking on some doors, doors of faith, doors for our family to respond to the gospel. Maybe you've got a a loved one that's away from God. Maybe they've never had a relationship with God. Maybe they once did, but they walked away. We start knocking on the door in prayer saying, God, would you do something? God, would you do something? Uh, Knocking on the doors for for expansion in our businesses, for for blessing in our businesses where there's been uh, like closed doors and we've just been like hitting this dead end all the time. But we start knocking on it and God opens it up. Uh, Knocking on doors for healing. Maybe you're you're carrying a sickness at the moment and you're really struggling with it. We start knocking on the door, believing that God would do something. Knocking on the door for our future callings. That we'd say, God, I thank you for where I'm at, but God, I, I'm asking you for more. God, like like, uh, like the, the prophet Elisha asked, God, give me double portion, double portion. God, look, Lord, we got to start knocking on those doors. But here's the thing. Too often, people want doors to open without knocking. You know, this scripture doesn't say, want it bad enough and the door will open doesn't say think about it and the door it doesn't even say visualize it in the door it says knock we stand here as a church and we say God would you open doors would you open doors but he says well I'll open the doors that you knock on what doors are you knocking on and people sit back and they go I'm just waiting for a door to open I'm not going to make any decisions until I see an open door I refuse to be an opportunistic church when God hasn't just called us to wait for the opportunity, but for us to go after it, to knock on the doors, to knock on the doors and say, God, we know that you put a word in our heart. We're going to go after it. We're going to go after it. We're going to knock for it. We're going to ask you for it. We're going to seek for it. We're not just going to wait and see for something to open, but God, we want a door to open. And as a church, we're going to knock on it through prayer. We're going to knock on it and say, God, we want you to open that thing. We know you've given us what's on the other side of it. See, as a church, that's what we've got to go after because there is power in our prayer. But not just in our church, in our own families, in our own lives, there is power when we pray. There's power when we ask. It says, for everyone who asks receives, to the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com dot au